37. 37 indeed. I am just as surprised as Dante was back in the day. Sam Hellman here, the host of the Rutgers Scout Cast publisher over on scarletreport.com. That's where you know me. I've been around for a while. You've probably run into me or seen me on the internets. But like I said and like Dante just told you, this is episode 37 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. We're getting close to a year of this podcast already, and that's pretty cool because I never thought it would last that long. And that's a thank you to all the listeners out there that have uh, stuck with me, given me some reviews in iTunes, rated the show, interacted in the mailbag, or just clicked play one time. I appreciate all of that. This week on the show, we have two guests coming up. They're two quick conversations, but I had fun doing both of them. The first is with Rutgers' starting quarterback, Giovanni Rochino. Gio is Mr. Popularity when it comes to interview access during the week. He usually does one media session during the week and one after the game. And he's usually swarmed by a crowd. But with Senior Day being this week and people a little bit more spread out, I was able to sit down and spend some one-on-one time with Gio. He's someone that I've known for about three years now. I got to know him right before his official visit to campus where he got the Rutgers offer, where he committed. Uh, We talked a lot that spring He, being a Michigan guy that came on at the last minute, had a bunch of questions about what life at Rutgers was going to be like. I was happy to be one of a thousand people giving him advice, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Those extra long twin beds that you get in the Rutgers dorms or how great PJ's Pizza is, anything like that. Uh, You're going to hear from Gio about him being the starting quarterback, what it meant this week when Chris Ash said they're sticking with Gio no matter what these two games. Rutgers wants to develop Rossigno, and like Drew Maringer said on Monday, they're a program that's all about developing the athletes that they have. And you can't develop if you're getting pulled, you're getting benched, you're not getting your reps. And that's what the next two games are about. There isn't anything to play for right now other than pride, so why not build towards the future with the guys that want to play hard, and nobody is playing harder than Giovanni Rossigno. That's nothing against the other guys. They're playing hard too. But you look at Giovanni Rochino and you look at how he's played since his injury and it screams toughness. We're going to talk about that and go a little bit of off-topic with Gio as well. After that, Battle of the Birthplace is tomorrow morning. And if you are going to the Penn State game or you live in the area, you're crazy for not coming to this thing. It is going to be cool. This is the winter classic of college wrestling. I don't care if you don't know anything about college wrestling. You're going to figure it out pretty quickly. And wrestling fans are some of the best fans out there. They'll help you learn what you're watching. And you're going to be able to see two top in-state teams, two people that were there in Piscataway all those years ago when Rutgers, when Rutgers beat Princeton 6-4 in football. I would recommend not missing this one. And here's the other thing that's cool about this event. If you're worried about spending all day at Rutgers or your parking pass or whatever, there are free parking opportunities over by the rack, I'm told. So you park at the rack, you take the shuttle over, and that way you can go home or go have lunch or go to a diner or whatever you want to do and come back with your normal parking pass for the Penn State football game at night. We're going to talk a little bit with Scott Goodale. Just a brief interview. I know people love Scott Goodale. He's been at Rutgers for 10 years, and he's 
Never had a dull quote since. So talking to him a little bit about this matchup, what it would mean to him for you guys to show up in full force to support this pretty big venture. And then also me being a bit of an MMA junkie, uh, we talk a little bit of Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, big win at Madison Square Garden. He's a big Scott Goodale guy. He's trained with Anthony Ashnault in the past. So fun to talk a little bit about that. After our two guests... The mailbag segment was a big hit last week. People liked the extended mailbag. More people got their questions in, and I got a lot of feedback, and the numbers for the podcast were pretty great in terms of who listened and who stuck the whole way through. So we're going to do that again. I compiled another longer list of questions than the normal one on topic, one off topic, and we're going to dive into that right after you hear now from... Rutgers starting quarterback Giovanni Rochino, followed immediately by Rutgers wrestling coach Scott Goodale. Hey, Gio, I guess first, what was it like to play at home? Obviously, it didn't work out for you the way you wanted, but to have that opportunity, saw your dad get interviewed on TV. Yeah. Was that cool for you? Yeah, um, you know, it's somewhere where I've watched games before when I was a young kid. So, you know, going back to the play was obviously a really cool experience, you know, being able to play on the field. But, um, you know, we would like to get a, you know, get a win. But uh, we just got to move on from here and get better. The uh, coaches have said no matter what happens, you throw 20 touchdowns or 20 interceptions, they're sticking with you either way. Uh, how does that help you the next two games? Yeah, you know, um, it gives me a chance to, you know, learn from what I did wrong, um, understand, um, you know, how to manage the game. Just stuff like that it gives me a chance to build more experience, get more uh reps in the game and, uh, you know, give the, te- uh, give the team a chance to win, which is, uh, you know, the ultimate goal, which is what we're all here for and we all, what we all want. So, um, you know, just going to the next couple of games, you know, um, taking from what we learned in the past couple of games and moving forward and have a good week of practice and going from there, you know, helps out a lot. So I think I've probably interviewed you more times in the last month than in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Has that kind of stuff, being the starter, having that exposure, has it changed you at all? No, not at all. Um, you know, I'm just like I'm, I'm like how I am to you guys, how I am to you know everyone else. I'm just that's how I kind of wanted to be. I want to be myself, and you know this is part of it, and it's part of being a starting quarterback. You know, this comes, to, this is the territory that comes with it, and um, you know, you kind of have to embrace it, and that's kind of what you know, you know that comes with it when you earn the job. So, no, it doesn't change me at all. I think Saturday is probably the first time where fans and people were starting to be critical of you. How do you handle that? You know that that's what happens when you're a quarterback, Absolutely. especially when Absolutely, you're Absolutely, yeah. You know, playing quarterback is probably one of those positions that gets uh, critiqued the most by fans, by media, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, you sometimes you have to block it out. You can't listen to it because, you know, you know, I have to have confidence in myself. The team has have to have confidence in me. So just from that aspect, you know, you have to have, um, you know, a full amount of confidence in yourself to you know that you can get the job done, which I do, and uh, you know I'm keep having that going forward. Can you uh, can you appreciate some of what Chris Aviano's gone through for you know last year and a half? Oh, absolutely, that? yeah. You know that's something I've taken and you know understood and tried to um, you know understand more. You know, even with Gary and uh, Lav, and um, you know just my three years here, understanding that's what comes with it, and um, you know just take it from there and that's it. You're, you're friends with a lot of the seniors that you're saying goodbye to pretty soon, mm-hmm. senior day and all that. How important is that, I mean, especially with the offensive linemen here that have kept you safe? Absolutely. It's extremely important. You know, um, I'm very proud of all those guys. They put in a lot of work, a lot of work, and uh, we we deserve to give them the best uh, outing that they can have. Um, 
you know, I love all those guys, you know, especially up front, the linemen, um, the receivers, stuff like that. You know, it's I know it's a really uh, going to be a really important day for them. The fact that we're playing Penn State as well is going to, you know, boost it up even more. But, you know, th- those guys deserve the best, and I'm, I'm really happy for them. Uh, we talked before about your interest in 8 Mile, in Eminem, all uh, that stuff. Similar interests. Um, where did that come from? Is it just a Detroit thing? Um, not necessarily. Me and my buddy in high school, um, my buddy Vince from back home, we just started kind of built like a professionally, like we started like hip-hop a lot. Um, mine rooted from Eminem, and, uh, you know, I found a lot of influences of Eminem's and other, you know, rap. So, you know, when I've discovered other, you know, artists and stuff, uh, you know, Biggie, Tupac, all of them, Nas, um, they've, uh, they, they had a certain sound to me that I loved. And then when I, once I started listening to them and moving forward and more and more, it's just something that I was like, you know, I really like this stuff. And even to this day, like, I, you know, I find new music and I find new artists that I go, wow, you know, really impressed me. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a real hip-hop head, and I, I love that. You know, that's a big part of who I am. You know, anybody can tell you that. But, yeah, you know, Eminem was one of my first, you know, loves in the hip-hop world. So, yeah. Did you ever play Def Jam Vendetta? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to play that when I was uh, younger with my buddy. Um, yeah, you know, I don't really remember it that much, but, yeah, I remember I used to play it. I just remember Joe Budden was the best. Yeah. It's literally all I remember. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, I asked three kind of Rutgers-related questions. Um, who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete? All time in general. You can answer however you like. Um, you know, from the, I remember this is the reason why. Um, my first day I came here to visit, it was a spring practice, and Leontay was on the field, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know about him, and I just saw him make plays, and you know, I was impressed ever since, you know, having the chance to play with him and throw with him. So I think Leontay is one of my favorite Rutgers athletes. I just, you know, amazing athlete, you know, obviously. So, yeah. Um, second one, what's your favorite moment being here at Rutgers? Whether it's official visit, commitment, yeah. first start, whatever. Yeah, you know, I, you know my first start was, uh, you know, pretty pretty cool for me, you know, beating Michigan my freshman year. Um, you know, rushing the field after, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I'd say a toss-up between one of those two, beating Michigan, or, you know, having my first start here. Last question, if you get to have one more meal at Rutgers, where are you going and what are you ordering? Uh, wings over Rutgers. Yeah. What'd you go with? Yeah, the hot garlic. garlic. Yeah. Good. Thanks, yeah, No problem. Scott, for people that are still on the fence about this, why do you think that they should come? Well, one, we have a pretty good program. It's exciting. We wrestle extremely hard. It's something new. It's outside the box. It's a unique event. Uh, and it's going to put hopefully fifteen to 20,000 people in there. It's something, you know, if you're a Rutgers fan, you need to get out to something like this. You know, everybody sits back and plays armchair quarterback and looks at our, our football program and our basketball program. Well, this is a program that's doing well. Let's get out and support it, you know. They, we, they need to come to events like this. And once you come to one, it kind of hooks you in and gets you in. So that, that's that's what I would say to them. Don't sit back. Let's get in there at 11 o'clock. You're back outside at 1230 doing what you want to do. So it's something I think they need to be at. How unique is this as a recruiting opportunity? Because I look at it, it's like the, the winter classic of wrestling. Yeah, like, yeah. How cool is that if you're a recruit? Yeah, it just shows. I mean, who would have thought, you know, 10 years ten years ago we're going to be able to wrestle in front of 20,000 people. So if you're a recruit and we have the opportunity to do things like this, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't you coming here and doing it? I can wrestle in front of 20,000 people. We were just out on the West Coast and wrestled in front of 40 people. That's not fun. The way these guys train, 
it, it's got to be an event, and wrestling needs more events like this. And, and that's what we tell our recruits, and that's what it's all about is getting involved in stuff like this. And, and we're going to do more of this. This isn't a one-time thing, and we'll take it on the road, and we'll be in Yankee Stadium next year. That's just, that's just the beginning, but that's kind of what we're selling the recruits is every time you step your foot on the mat, it's going to be in front of 5,000 to 20,000 people. That's the way we look at it. And last thing, so many people look at football and kind of forget about Rutgers and Princeton, but it's still a big rivalry yeah. for a lot of other sports. Yeah. For you, what does it mean to have it on this kind of stage? And that well, I think that history is pretty important to me. You know, it's uh, the history of the first college football game. Like I said in my press conference, I'm a big college football guy, so I love the name of the whole thing. And and you're right, there's a lot of our, our Olympic sports that have rivalries with Princeton, and this is a very very good team. You know, and I know what our fans think, and because we're a Big Ten school, we're supposed to beat them. It doesn't work like that wrestling. It does not work like that. So we're well aware of how capable they are and how good they can be. And, and uh, we have to wrestle really, really good to win this. So uh, we still have some spots that are up in the air where we're not sure of yet and I don't know how good we're going to be. So this is uh, kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's because I'm starting to think of the matchups and how this match may go. How did, uh, how did Frankie Edgar look at the Garden? Looked great. You know, he took a kick, which is normal. Uh, he always has to take a bad kick <laughs> to the head. But uh, a comeback that's a, story. He's a comeback story. He's a warrior man, and, and that's kind of what we want our guys to be like. Just you're going to get knocked down, and he got back up. But did what he, at the end of the day, he got his hand raised. We talk about it all the time. So good for him. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Scott, for joining me real quick to promote tomorrow morning's battle of the birthplace and like i said if you're in the area you'd be crazy to miss this one i i'm not the biggest follower of amateur wrestling i I couldn't tell you who a lot of wrestlers are outside of the rutgers roster but i can tell when something is special and that's what this is and it's something where rutgers is actually out in front rutgers in this situation they're out in front of it they're on the forefront, the uh, trailblazers, if you will, of this outdoor wrestling environment. I know that it was originally, you know, Iowa did so well with it last year, but this could be the norm for wrestling soon, and Rutgers is one of the first schools that's really embraced it. So I hope that it goes well tomorrow. They're hoping to get 20,000 fans. I think they got a decent shot because... There's going to be a lot of fans that wake up and say, oh, I'll be there tailgating all day. I'll walk up and buy a ticket. It's free student tickets. You'll have some wandering from that. I-, I hope they're able to pull it off because it only, like you heard Scott Goodale tell me a-, a minute ago, they're doing it at Yankee Stadium, and I would think that it's going to be something they try and do once a year as long as you have people like Scott Goodale, Pat Hobbs, uh, Jeff Brown over in marketing. As long as you have these guys, Anthony Hernandez, the team spokesperson, they're going to keep trying to do this stuff, and I hope that the first one is successful. Well, tomorrow is Vader time for Rutgers Wrestling, and right now it's time. It's Q&A time here on the Rutgers Scout Cast. You all answered the call this week. Like I mentioned, the reaction was really good to my last extended Q&A episode, so... We're doing it again. We'll get Brian back on the show soon, probably after Thanksgiving. He and I have very different schedules as the season ends. And those of you that are Scarlet Report subscribers know that I've kind of been all over the place at the rack, at Rutgers, doing high school stuff. Uh, Brian and I really don't see each other that much other than the preview videos that you see us do every Friday. So we'll get together soon and, and get back to 
that part of the conversation. And, and hopefully, once this season ends, we'll talk more basketball. We'll be able to get more extended podcasts. But enough of the business. Let's jump right into the questions. We're going to take a handful of on-topic questions first and then go off-topic before I end the show. So the first question came from our premium members on Scarlet Report. Actually, all of them did this week where we, uh, like I've said before, they get first dibs on these. And if you want to check out premium, I know that it's not the most exciting football season, but there is a lot going on. And our people definitely know what's going on first and what's going on accurately. Again, please contact me, shelman at scout.com for a extended free trial. So let's jump into the Q&A. First question comes from Spec19, who asks, Can you expand upon your depth chart concerns for next season's wide receiver group? Sure, I'd love to. So I wrote a couple of days ago, and since it's been a few days, I don't mind discussing it in a wider group than just in our uh, premium board, our our premium members. I wrote that I kind of watched a lot of the wide receiver stuff in practice this week more than usual, and that I was concerned about depth for next season. Well, I guess I'll just say here's why. First off, let's assume let's assume that Janarian Grant is going to come back for next season. So that's something that's going to change a lot. He hasn't made up his mind yet. You heard what Chris Ash said, and Chris Ash is not going to lie about that. If Chris Ash is nothing but honest, as I take a swig of water for the working man, Chris Ash is nothing but honest, and I completely believed everything he said about Janarian, but let's just say for right now he comes back. For now, I'm my guess would be he does come back. So that gives you Janarian Grant starting in that slot back role again. You have Juwan Harris out wide. He's done pretty well out wide this season. I'd say he's probably their most consistent receiver since Grant's injury. But then what else do you have for that third starting spot, plus it's a rotational position. You want five or six guys that you can play. Uh, John Simmons would have another year of eligibility. Is he going to come back for a fifth year at Rutgers? I, I don't know. Uh, has he contributed this year in his fourth year? He, he's made some plays for sure, and he works hard and he blocks well, but he wasn't an impact guy this season. Then you have... DeCoven Bailey going into his sophomore year, but is he a wide receiver? Do they try him at running back? I, I certainly would love to see him try running back, if not look at him at corner as well, because the receiver production hasn't been quite what it seems the coaching staff expected out of him as a freshman. You have other guys in the program that haven't shown anything yet, and are those one-offer kind of kids that we've discussed. Rashad Blunt from Florida. Mo Jabia, everyone knows, and Muhammad Sanu's nephew, he'll be a redshirt freshman next season, but again, that's, it's like talking about the linebackers, he's a hard-working player that had one offer coming out of high school, that's what I see when I look at the wide receivers next year, it's next year's linebacker group, is unproven guys that were under-recruited, uh, and Tawada Melaperi, the South African receiver, he's been playing on special teams this year, he could grow into a Vance Matthews kind of role. But as you can see, I'm kind of grasping at straws here just to give you five or six guys that could be on a depth chart. And sure, they have other guys coming in. I know that Amir Mitchell, everyone's very excited about Amir Mitchell. I am too, but 
ask yourself, how many times do these conventional transfers really work out? Grad transfers are their own animals, and there's a, you know, a bunch of Russell Wilson stories of ones that work, but how many times do legitimate transfers actually work? So I can't count on Amir Mitchell to step in and be a superstar right away. You have some committed receivers, Bo Melton, Everett Wormley, Shameen Jones, maybe Tyler Hayek plays receiver, maybe Tim Barrow plays receiver. They could both end up on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Bo Melton's really good. We have him as a four-star number one kid in the state for a reason. And I think Everett Wormley is a guy that's going to come ready to play right away. He's more seasoned and experienced than your average high school senior. But again, you're talking about a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of guys that came to the wide receiver room with one offer. That's the problem linebackers have right now. Tyreek Williams is a freshman that's exciting, but it's one guy. That's why I'm concerned about receivers because it reminds me so much of what's going on right now at linebacker. Thanks for the question. Okay, question two, as we keep rolling, comes from RU grad in ACC land, who asks the over-under on assistant coaches that leave the program for greener pastures and the over-under on assistant coaches that are asked to leave. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm obviously it's guys that leave for better jobs and guys that get fired, I guess is the question. And honestly, I'm just going to set the over-under at one for each. Chris Ash comes from the Urban Meyer tree of coaching. And Urban Meyer, anyone that's ever watched an Ohio State game, it's the first thing the announcers yell about is the whole two-year commitment with assistance bit that Urban Meyer does. And a commitment goes both ways. It's not just Chris Ash asking his assistants to stay for two years. It's Chris Ash giving his assistants two years. So, yeah, I mean, I would think that there's a change or two made. But I don't think that there's going to be a lot of them because I think that Chris Ash brought in a bunch of guys that he likes, and I think that Chris Ash wants to see how they develop as a unit and wants to build some kind of consistency. I mean, this this offensive coordinator, defense against the dark arts revolving door is just ridiculous, and it has to stop. That's what's most important. I don't care what you think of Drew Maringer's play calling or developing quarterbacks or recruiting, whatever. They just need the same guy for two years so these kids can have their heads stop spinning. I I get that the results aren't great at some positions. People don't like the way the linebackers have not been rotated or they don't like the way that running back recruiting is going right now and stuff like that. But it's, it's, you got to give them time to show what they can do and to grow into their jobs. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of guys that most of these, some of these guys are experienced. Most of them aren't. So you got to give them time just like you would give any developing freshman time, just like you're giving Giovanni Rochino time without benching him. I would say the same thing about the coaching staff. So I'll set the over-under at one for each. So I guess that would be the over-under at two coaching departures in the offseason. Thank you for the question. All right, next question comes from Scoot24. He asks, or she asks, can strength and conditioning combined with our coaching philosophies make the current roster guys a competitive Big Ten team next season? Thanks for the question. Uh, I'm just going to have to say no. The key to your question, I don't know if you worded it like this intentionally or not, is you say the current roster guys. And if you have these guys next year and that's it, you're not going to be a competitive Big Ten team next year. You're losing 
some of your most important players as seniors. You're losing four captains. You're losing a lot of your experience in the trenches, and the Big Ten starts in the trenches. You're also losing some guys that you're going to get an upgrade at the position next year. I, I think tight end could be one of those positions with Jerome Washington getting eligible, and the staff's very high on him. I think that the key to Rutgers being a competitive Big Ten team next year, you're right, a lot of it is the development of the guys. I love what the assistant said this week, if you've been following my coverage. Drew Marringer and A.J. Blazik both talked about it. This is a developmental program, and they're about developing kids. That's what it has to be. You can't just bring in five stars and, and go and win. You have to actually develop them, and that's what was lacking so much over the last three years. The key to becoming Big Ten competitive next year is also about who you bring in. And whether that is freshmen that are ready to play early, maybe Jonathan Lewis at quarterback. Heck, I haven't written off Micah Clark as an early player, especially someone enrolling early. But grad transfers. I mean, I, I fully expect them to bring in grad transfers. I, I mean, I, grad transfers are always possible. And look at the positions where they need more depth. That's the key to becoming Big Ten competitive is adding to your program and replacing the outgoing players with guys that are just as good. Okay, next question came from DWG, who asks, how much should we read into Rutgers basketball's 2-0 start? Okay, so this podcast drops Friday morning, very early, so I'm recording this before Rutgers plays at DePaul. But regardless of what happens in that game, I would consider it a good start for Rutgers basketball. Anytime you win two games, maybe three by the time you listen to this, that's a good start. Here's what I like about Rutgers basketball right now through the first two games, and then we'll move on. I love that they're able to look like a solid team with Corey Sanders playing so poorly. Corey Sanders did not play well his first two games, especially that second game against Drexel, and it was still two blowouts. Steve Peichel's win in the opener is the biggest win in Rutgers basketball history for a coach in his first game. So the fact that Corey Sanders isn't playing well and they're still looking dominant against teams they should dominate, great sign. Mike Williams and Nigel Johnson have very good attitudes off the bench right now. Both of them wanted that second starting guard spot that Issa Chom took from them, the freshman sharpshooter, but they haven't gotten down about it. They've played hard on the bench and they've given better bench minutes than Issa has given as a starter, I think, so far. So maybe this is the way the rotation should be. Anytime you have the words Rutgers and out-rebounded in a paragraph in your story, that's a great sign. It's not one that I've written much, but Rutgers dominated the boards the last two games and it's nice to have a coaching staff that actually teaches rebounding. I hesitate to go too in-depth on that because, like I said, I'm recording this before the DePaul game, but look, there isn't a lot of Rutgers basketball coverage out there. A lot of people aren't covering them. I think that's a mistake because I think this team is going places, maybe not this year, but soon. All right, two more questions. Both come from Abro1975. His first question on topic is, who is plan D at running back after Taylor, Lovett, and Darrington? All right, I don't want to go too in-depth on this because, again, it is a free podcast and that kind of information. First off, Brian Doan's answered it a bunch of times on our site this week. You can go check it out. Uh, So I don't want to go too in-depth on the question, but what I'll say is that I I don't know if I would consider 
love it, Taylor and Darrington, the ABC or whatever. I think that if the staff really, really wanted Devin Darrington, they would have him by now. And the fact that they haven't put a squeeze on him means that they're still exploring their options. I think there could be players on the roster right now that aren't playing at running back that could be contributors. And I'll also say that running back is by far the easiest position to find a kid in January. So if you want to sit back and really just let things play out, running back is the position to do it. And going off topic this week. Oh, great. You know, I love my food questions. The question is, again, from Abro1975, what does a vegetarian eat on Thanksgiving? (sighs) I hesitated to pick this question because I know the ridicule that I completely deserve for being a vegetarian. By all means, make fun of me for it. It's stupid. So don't think you're going to hurt my feelings when you do, because I agree. I make fun of vegetarians too, even though I am one. Uh, So what do I eat on Thanksgiving? Um, this year I am going to have, I don't know yet. I haven't really thought about it, but I've got Rutgers basketball games Wednesday and Friday. So that week is going to be a little weird for me. Normally I just eat the, (laughs) the boring Thanksgiving stuff, the the salad, the, the, I guess noodle pudding is a thing in our family. The, the green bean casserole, the mashed potatoes, that kind of nonsense. I don't really worry about it. I love Thanksgiving. It's actually probably my favorite holiday, but it's not really because of the food. I think it's just because of the time of year, and Thanksgiving is a great time to actually step back after you've been grinding for a while. I mean, there aren't... My birthday's in April, so like from May to October, there really isn't anything to break up the monotony until Thanksgiving, so that's why I love it. Real quick before we close out the show, though. So... When uh, Steve Cragthorpe got fired at Louisville, Rutgers, I think people remember that game where Rutgers and I believe Mohamed Sanu steamrolled them. Well, I was with the Daily Targum then, and it was that 11 o'clock game the day after Thanksgiving, which meant I had to travel to Louisville on Thanksgiving and miss it. It was the first one that I missed away from family and friends and stuff like that. And as little things are open in New Jersey on Thanksgiving, you take that and split it into a third if you're in Louisville, Kentucky. So the only thing open on Thanksgiving for me and uh, my photographer that I travel with, Dan Bracalia, you can check him out at uh, LondonBroil.com. The only thing open was a Waffle House. So the most depressing Thanksgiving dinner of all time came when I had strawberry waffles at Waffle House for my Thanksgiving dinner. But... I was not 21 yet, and Louisville doesn't seem to care about how old you are if you're going to buy certain things. So I had a good time from that aspect. So what does a, ver- so what does a vegetarian eat on Thanksgiving? Eh, whatever. I don't really worry about it. I'll tell you one thing. Tofurkey is dumb. I don't get it. Uh, so thanks for that question. I hope I answered all the questions well this week, and feel free to follow up next week with more questions. With If you don't get a comment I made on here, ask me about it. Uh, I hope that everyone enjoyed a little bit more from the Q&A this week. I also really hope everyone enjoyed Scott Goodale's return to the podcast. You can go back into the archive on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or Stitcher to find my first interview with Scott Goodale, where he answers the big three and everything else. I hope everyone enjoyed hearing from Gio Rochino. He's a lot of fun. 
I'd love to get him in a more extended podcast down the road, maybe in spring practice. One final plea to like and subscribe in iTunes and tell your friends about the show to keep it going and keep it growing. I am your host, Sam Hellman of the Rutgers ScoutCast. Thanks for listening. What's that? Something's blowing in. It's a last-minute question to the podcast where Brian Doan, that's a familiar name, asks, what is the best part of working with a guy with unbelievable knowledge base and the ability to understand so many things like Brian? And UDRU fan just seconded this question on the site. Well, I agree. Brian Snow, our uh, scout basketball analyst, does a great job. You should follow Brian Snow and check out everything he does. I can't really think of any other Brian's that this question could be about. So thanks for the question, and thanks for listening.